0: Aren't you thankful for the freedom we have yeah. in our country we do to worship the way we do? I had been putting a message together and still may present it some other time, but God changed my mind another message he gave me a while back. He says, I'll prepare it for you and you can give it at the right time. And I felt today this one, but let me kind of just elude to another one. <laughs> I titled it The Great Divide. There was a time when the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they heard him, and then they were challenging constantly. They sent men out, as we read in a few of the Gospels, and they say, should we pay taxes? Jesus was in tune with what they were doing, and he said, because there's a lot of quandary, a great divide. And there's a great divide in this country now. How many would say amen? Amen. I mean, right now, this week, we're going to be electing a new president, new governor for this state, and some senator, some other ones that's going to be running, Congress, men or women. I mean, all these are coming into play. And there's a great divide amongst so many people today. Which way we go? Getting back to the story of Jesus. When he perceived him, he says, why do you tempt me? He says, give me a coin. Gave him a coin. What inscription is on this coin? Caesar. I liked his answer. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. He answered the great divide. We can serve God and serve in this country. We can serve with... (laughs) honorable dignity. Some people says, well, we as Christians need to be out of politics. I beg pardon. We need to be a part of politics, part of every part of the fabric of this nation. That's been the biggest problem we've had in America today because it's been separation. They tried to separate us. Jesus said, there's no separation. There's no divide. We should influence this world. When the children of Israel, before I get into the message, the children of Israel were taken into captivity in Babylon. What did Jeremiah tell them in chapter 29? God spoke to them and says, while you're there, think of the welfare of the place you're at. Marry, give in a marriage to your people. Prosper, build, while you're there, why we're here. See, we ain't home yet, church. We should be influencing and instead of allowing them influencing us. That's the great divide. It's not that we don't do our due diligence by giving our taxes. Some people grumble about it, (laughs) complain about it. But as God's giving you the opportunity to bless, be a blessing. That's what he was saying. The welfare of that city, be a blessing. How many knows God saved us to be a blessing? That's what we should do. Wherever you're at, you may have a boss, you may not like him but you'd be a blessing to them. You may not always agree. How many can say amen? But God says, you influencing them. Been many times I had some pretty cruel bosses, grumpy bosses. Been times I've had good bosses. But my influence, I'm supposed to be, is to do it as unto the Lord. Let me encourage you. Do not take advantage of what God's given you at your place you work at that's stealing don't steal from the company be a blessing that's enough on that vote this week vote biblically i've asked you for the last few weeks and we've been taking sunday nights and we have stand in the gap services we've been praying for our government praying for the things that's going on in our nation we need prayer right now more than ever before there's such a divide in so many areas, but God says influence. The best way we can influence is to seek our God, to allow him to do what he needs to do. I encourage you, come out. Vote according to the biblical principles God's given us. That's a Christian basis that we need to do. Look what the Bible says. And if the candidates don't line up, now, I'm not saying everyone's going to speak the way they should, because sometimes the language is not the prettiest, but we're not voting on Sunday school teacher. We're not voting on a pastor, voting on a leader, and we need to pray, God. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a godly leader, was he? According to the word of God, but God used him, and God can use, and he wants to use you. But let's get into the word of God. Let's look at the word of God. If you would, please stand to your feet and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24, 1 Samuel chapter 24. I'm going to read one verse. Go down to verse 12, Brother Nathan, if you would please. And if somebody would jump back there and cut the outside lights, not the can lights, but the for us, leave the center ones on, please, as we set the tone for the message today. Before we go reading from the scripture, it's about David, King David. King David was a fine example of a leader wasn't such a good family man at a lot of times, but he was a good leader. But David did not treat people the way people treated him. I mean, he knows that you're supposed to take the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It didn't say because they treat you, you treat them that way. The Bible doesn't say that. And David was a good example. David also, he did not have a heart to be overly ambitious. I think he truly wanted to just be out in the field with the sheep. He loved to be a shepherd, but God had another plan for him. Let's go to the word of God in verse 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall never, shall not, shall in no way, shape, or form be What? Against you. He was talking to Saul. Saul was after him. And maybe you feel like you're in a situation that somebody's after you. How are you supposed to treat them? How are you supposed to go after them? How are you supposed to, even though you're called into a position, Saul was the king. David was the future king. David could have said, that's my position. I'm going to take it but he didn't. We're going to read some more and we're going to get into the word of God. The title of the message, position versus ambition. Position versus ambition. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open and let's go to the verse one of the same chapter of first Samuel chapter 24. Follow along with me. It's very important that you follow along with this message. There's some good points we want to bring out verse 1 Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying take note David is on is in the wilderness of Gedi I, G- I'm not going to pronounce it I'll murder it you get you can read Then Saul took 3000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul and Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose after afterward went out of the cave and called out to Saul saying, "My lord the king." And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the ground or to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, "Why Do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks you harm? Look this day, your eyes have seen the Lord delivered you today in my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see. Yes, see the corner of your robe and my hand for which for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you nor know you and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand and I have sinned not against you. You hunt me my life to take it though. And then he finishes up here, let the Lord judge between you and me, and the Lord will take his avenge. I mean, knows oh, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Oh, that was weak. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Yes. Sometimes we want to avenge ourselves. I don't have to take that. I don't have to do that. Jesus never uttered a word at times. He kept his mouth shut. We see David and the story here. And something I noticed, Saul, what kind of guy would take 3,000 men after one guy? 3,000 choice soldiers to chase after one and a few of his servants that David had with him. Notice this, how insecure is a person to surround himself with that much, to go after one guy. That's insecurity. Need to kill David, he said. They went to the rock of the wild goats, a place that had been there. It's it's a wild place. But And then we see David and his men in this cave hiding out. I asked for the lights to be shut off because sometimes it's dark in a cave sometimes. And we're going to do a classroom called the cave, a place that God is going to use. And this classroom that David was in, God was going to use it to teach a lesson, not only to David, but also to show David, this is what I desire. The first point I want to bring out blind ambition there's a lot of people ambitious to rise in the ranks, a lot of ambitious people trying to gain money, trying to gain fame. If you can't see that on Facebook or YouTube, where they're doing all kinds of things, and they don't care what they do anymore, how they look, what they present. I'm thinking, it used to be ashamed to present your body, but they don't care what they do anymore. That's the society we live in. No matter what they say anymore, it seems like blind ambition. They just want to get their 15 minutes of fame and that's it. But that lasts for a long time. You put it on YouTube, you can pull it up anytime later on. They seem to think, well, I'll just delete it. You know what? You can pull it up anytime you want to. I'll delete those 33,000 emails. Nobody will find them. (laughs) I beg your pardon. When you send it out, it's out there. And the Bible says, no, you're not, that your sins will find you out. There's a lot of people seem to think, I'm going to get my ambition. I don't care how do do it. I don't care who I go over. What do I have to accomplish to get where I want to be? Saul was chasing David. Blind ambition. I'm going to kill the one that everybody keeps talking to me. He was, <laughs> had evil spirits that he was listening to. Those evil spirits were driving him. The Holy Spirit leads us. Never drives. Spirits drive. Evil spirits, that is. People's spirits will drive you if you don't watch it. But I liked what he said. David, after he come to a place here, he called Saul master. Called him father. Brought him to a place... And he said, the Lord's anointed, even though Saul was not a good king, even though Saul had really lost his position. David was a future king. Saul was the present king. What do I do? What do I do in the election when we face some evil? You need to seek the Lord, first of all. Far too many times the church has been hiding in a cave, hiding in the background away from everything else. The world would like to shut us up because we present the truth. We present some godly things. It's not all the goodness, but it's the godliness they don't like. They really don't like to hear about Jesus and what he did. They've tried to put him in a box and say, here, you keep him here, but don't keep doing the good things, but we don't need the godliness that comes with Jesus. The holiness, the separation that Jesus brings. Note that David was in the king, a classroom, a cave. He was in the classroom that God had presented to him. See, God had used Saul to try to take David out. Preparation. David was running. There's a lot of people running today. They're running. The enemy is after them and they're running. I'm thankful because in this regard, when the enemy comes after you, you know that you're in the right place. When he's kind of trying to destroy you, your family. David found himself in a place in that cave. His enemy. Because Saul was his enemy. Just a stone's throw away. Oh, I've used a stone before. I know how to take it down a giant. I can just pick one up, just kind of thing it, fling it, and I'll hit him. Just a stone throw away. I can take him out. You know what David had? Men around him. Do it. Do it. Go after him. They was trying to say, look what the Lord said. I will deliver the enemy, your enemy into your hand to do what you want. This is the time, David. This is the time. Blind ambition, no. See, David had already been anointed king, and they knew it. David had already seen. The throne was just a stone throw away. I could get on the throne. I could be there. My men don't have to run anymore. I could be in charge. My enemy could be done away with. David's men said, this is the moment. This is the best time we can get him. Let's take him out. Can I put it something to you, though? Why would it be like to have your enemy come into the place where you're at? God orchestrated this. God allowed Saul. There's other caves, other places. Saul chose this one. <clears throat> Where his enemy David was, he thought. Walks in there, does his, does his business. I don't need to paint a picture on that one. I'll leave it go on that. But this was the moment that the Lord had put right before David. And There are times that God places us as we are in a cave at times thinking that I'll just hide out here. I'll just be comfortable here. God places your enemy right in front of you. You could take him out with the stone. You could take him out with so many other things, but God places the enemy before you. What are you going to do? The man that's with you, take him out, do it, go that direction. It's time for you to take the throne. Is it? Didn't the word come to you that at this, the enemy would be in your hand? The prophecy came fulfilled. What do you do? He's be in your hands. What what are you going to do, David? God had done this. See, you don't think David wasn't wrestling? David was wrestling in his mind, in his heart. He had the pain of rejection. He loved Saul. He worked in the king's palace. He was married to his daughter. Yet he was rejected. How many ever been rejected before? You get those times you want to be accepted by everybody. Pat on the back. I want to be, (laughs) you know, there's times being in leadership. Sometimes leadership can be a lonely role. Those that are bosses, no understand what I'm talking about. Because you're going to make decisions. It's not going to be popular. You want them to be accepted, but sometimes people say, no, I've got another alternative. And sometimes as a Christian, you're in a workforce. You're in an area that you do what's right. And people don't always want to see it because they want to do what they want to. Selfish motives. Pain of rejection. David had lost his freedom. He's on the run now. He's a wanted man. If they had posters, i men they put them up everywhere. Look for this man. We're going to get him. Kill him if you can. Get rid of him. I don't want him anymore. But let me ask you a question. Did David's heart change? How about your heart? When you've been hurt, you've had rejection. When you've had people say things to you and do things to you, how's your heart? Do you want to get revenge? Do you want to do something and step into the place? David's in this cave. He's hearing these voices. He's here in this direction. Go do it. This is what the Lord said. Give him in your hands. You can take him out and nobody would think anything of it. But David would. David would know. You know what God was really wanting to see? Because God was wanting to see something. What are you going to do, David? Where's your heart at? The Bible says that David's heart was after God's. He had a heart after God. Where's your heart? Is it blind ambition to grasp a hold of everything that you can? There's a lot of people doing everything. They don't care what they walk on and walk on top of people just to get up to the ladder. I've seen that over and over and over again. And once they arrive, they're the decisions. They you know, they're cut off. Because they arrived not when they should have. And they done it in the wrong way. I've had many chances to move up. I've had opportunities if I would do certain things, but I chose out of what God says in my time, I will promote you. When God promotes you, when God gives you that direction, then you know to move. David knew it wasn't his time yet. David understood that. He was hearing this. But God said, have you learned anything by being chased? Have you learned anything by being in the wilderness? Are you learning even in this cave? The Bible says in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. People even say that. You can take vengeance on yourself. But like what the New Testament says, Pray for your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. How many has ever been used before? How many has been spitefully hurt and, or maybe cussed at or cursed at or somebody has done something to you. They become your enemy. New Testament says this. Pray for these Bless those. Ambition says, take them out. Get rid of them. It is your time. Is it your time yet, David? Is it your time to step into the throne? Is this what God is really desiring? Is this the way God's going to do it? Let me tell you, God knows how to move better than you do. God knows how to remove better than you do. God knows how to place when He says, I will place. You may say, Pastor, I don't like that scripture. Let me get back to them. Let me get even with them. Some of you says, I don't even want to obey that scripture. And there's times I find myself wrestling. God, just give me an opportunity. I'll let them know a few things. As we said in Sunday school, I'll give them a piece of my mind. Pretty soon, I don't have a mind left if I give too many pieces away. You may say, Smack those who curse you. Kick those who spitefully use you. If you're in a traffic and somebody passes you and they do it in a way that just you get angry about it, oh, this is what Jesus would do. Go up to him, pass them quickly, and get angry at him, honk at them. As my first pastor would say, horn cussing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, don't horn cuss at people. <laughs> that's what he used to say. You lay on a horn, I'm, I'm going to let him know. That's what he called. It. I don't think it's horn cussing, but it's just, he says, that's the way Jesus would do it. But then notice the character that we see that David was dealt His heart, say his heart. His heart. Where's your heart? Sometimes we think that, oh, I've got the right to do it. I've got the right to step in. He's my enemy. That's not what the Bible teaches us. See, God was developing character in David before he became a king. Sometimes God takes you through a process. People don't want to go through a process. They just want to step in and do it. They don't want to submit under the hand of the almighty God or even those that have been given delegated authority by God. We have a lot of people that want to do their own thing, stepping out in their own way and say, here, this is what you've been anointed for this, but is it your time? There's only one ahead of me that's already there. If I remove them, then what? I may step in too soon ambition. There's a lot of people with ambition. They want to get ahead quickly. I can do it better than them. I've been around that. I've been around committees. Well, we need to, this one is not doing it the way they should. Maybe it's even in a family reunion. You put somebody in charge and everybody votes on grape Kool-Aid and they bring red Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. And all of a sudden he says, we told them grape Kool-Aid, and I dare them to bring this red Kool-Aid. And so I think I can do it better the next time they start talking back and forth. Instead of submitting, he says, oh, I can drink great red Kool-Aid instead of the grape. That's okay. We voted on it, but that's all right. They don't want that away because one day you may be in charge. How many's ever been given a task that's been placed with you and you thought you could do it better than what your boss was, or better than what the ones that was in charge. There's a process. There's preparatory work. There's preparation that God gives you to you. Everybody wants to step in. As a young minister, I knew I was called. I knew God had called me to do it, and I knew I had anointing. I begrudgingly wanted to get, I knew I should be going that way, but I didn't really want to, but God made a way that we stepped in. Until he said yes, I had to sit on the backside. What was God doing? He was developing character. See, God is interested in your character more than your comfort. That should be an amen on that one. I'll say amen. There's sometimes people want to be so comfortable that they just want to slide right in. And God says, that's not the character that I desire. Let me put it this way. When you're going through pain just like David was, and you can bless your enemy, that's some good character. That's wonderful character, church. That's character that that God was looking for. It was the hardest, because the Bible says that after he cut, just cut the little bit of his robe and held on to the piece of it, the Bible says that his heart troubled him. His heart got a hold of him. It pricked him. Look what you did, David. Look what happened to this place. Everybody else had ambition. Climb the ladder. Nothing wrong with ambition, but if it's not done the right way to get into your position, then what happens? That ambition won't keep you. It bothered David. David was troubled in his heart, the Bible says. Instead of looking at position, people says, I have ambition to get everything. And you know, there's some people that says, well, I can get it faster, quicker. They have ambition. And they've got their families, they've got their finances, they've got everybody in trouble because they stepped out in the realm instead of waiting until the right time to do something. Trust me, I've been in business. We've had our own business. I've been around, I've been a president of a business. I know people just want to jump in and do this, but sometimes this is not the right time to do it. Making decisions on just ambition will not keep you. You've got to look at your heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? David was pricked to his heart. What is going on with me? What is happening with me? Is this what God really wants from me? Is this the character that God wants? You know what David showed? Mercy. You know what we've got to do? show mercy. He could have took his enemy out. That's what what God wanted. Jesus, while he was on the cross, could have called for 12 legions of angels, but he gave mercy. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm sure David was feeling that because he was the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. And David says, God, give him mercy. I forgive him for chasing after me, trying to kill me, throwing a spear at me, a javelin, trying to take me out. Ambition, in reality, is a heart condition. The heart. What's the ambition of your heart? What's the position that you need to be in? Position versus ambition. See, when someone minimizes someone else just to get ahead, That's a heart condition. When you cannot find any good thing to say about somebody, it becomes a heart condition. People's done you wrong. Don't get me wrong. You may have been hurt. You may have been stabbed. You may have had knives. I've got so many places in my heart that's been healed because, and I've got scars. But the heart of the issue, am I willing to forgive? If you're not willing to forgive, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. That's a heart condition. When you want somebody to celebrate you over somebody else for the expense of somebody else, that's a heart condition. Just because you're in a place that thousands are looking at you or hundreds are looking at you or somebody's following you, but you done it, to get And somebody crossed, and you crossed over them, that's a heart condition. Something's wrong in that thing. God was wanting to test David. I brought Saul before you. I brought your enemy. What are you going to do with him now? You have an opportunity. His men is not around him. He's by himself. His men is telling him. David's men says, kill him, kill him. He's in your hands now. Do whatever. David responded rightly because his heart was Cuts. We're living in a time when people have ambition, even in church settings, and politics comes in. I'll just go over the pastor. I'll just go over the leaders. I'll just do what I want to. Instead of allowing God to place you in the position, God wants to give you that position. God wants to promote you, but we have ambition that is taking the place of God's position. God was testing David. What are you willing to do? To get to the promise I give you? Let me ask you a question. Where's your ambition? I'm thankful for what we have here. My wife says, we're not a small church. We got to start thinking large. Well, let me say this. My vision, my dream that God has is that not only these seats are full, but when God places in our restoration center that God's going to give us, how many can say amen to that? And people says, pastor, you've been here for a little while and you're not moved in you know what god has not opened the doors yet this may be our cave for a little while but we have an enemy outside that god says i'll use you to not only touch them but i'll bring your enemy down to a place where he needs to be there's an enemy that is spiritual enemy it's not the people it's not the churches it's the enemy that's out there we've got a drug ec- epidemic in our place we call warsaw We have a psychic that just came in on Center Street. We have a religious spirit that has been around this place and a prideful spirit. And God says, I'm going to use you that's been in a cave, and I'll let you come out at the right time. God says, I'm going to restore back the kingdom where it needs to be. And that's what he was telling David. Are you willing, though, to take it in your own hands? and not allow God to bring the process to pass? Are you willing to to step out and say, I'm going to do it myself? There's a lot of people who do it. There's a lot of people that they will con their ways up the ladder. They're con men, women. They look at things and they grab a hold of it, and they do it their own way. But you know what you got to do? Lay down ambition. That type of ambition. That type of leaning towards that. Because God's got your position, but he don't want your ambition in the wrong way. Ambition is nothing wrong with it. But when it becomes blind, that's when it becomes wrong. What's in your heart? What's here? What do we do? Which direction do we go? I can take him out. He's there before me stone throw away. I can be on the throne tomorrow. I can leave here and all, everybody's going to shout my praises, but it was wrong. See, Satan comes to offer you earlier than what sometimes needs to be. He did with Jesus. He offers you sometimes, how many's ever, we're coming up to Thanksgiving. How many's ever put a turkey in and then 30 minutes later, pull it out and say, let's eat. Your nose is being kind of scrunched up a little bit. That wouldn't taste very good, would it? Sometimes people want it right now. We're living in a right now society, microwave society. Let's do it right now. I want it right now. Put the turkey here. Here it is. Sometimes it takes a little while. The process sometimes takes a little while. Turkey wouldn't taste so good after 30 minutes. It wouldn't be done. It'd be kind of frozen maybe even yet. Still a little bit of cold yet. The meat wouldn't be very good. You could put all kinds of salt. <laughs> you can put the pepper on it, you can do everything you want to. It still would not be done. Satan comes along and says, he offers pleasure before it's time. Sin has pleasure for a season. You may be in that season where you're having good time, but payday's coming. Why not wait and have pleasure and peace? And I have to worry about my conscience. Why not wait until God says, it's your time now? Far too many are wanting to take their ambition and climb the ladder instead of allowing God to open the position. That's an amen spot. Always offer something early. Notice what he said to Jesus. Took him on the mountain. Look over. Look at the kingdoms. If you'll just bow down to me, I'll give them to you. I can see what Jesus is thinking. How do you claim them yours? They belong to me, but it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet, but I will get my time. Can I tell you right now, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Satan comes to offer these things. In other words, what God is saying, not yes. Let's say it again, not, not yet. Sometimes we think that it's now. <laughs> we know what Dr. Ely said about his granddaughter. We heard that when we had our ministers gathering. He'd done a great job on that. Not yet. Granddaughter, they had prepared some stuff and had lunch, and he come in, so it's time to go, and she was singing a song. And she looked at him and says, Not yet. I can hear God says, not yet. Telling David, not yet. I want to see what you're going to react to. How's your heart? How's your character? Because if your character's not right, when you get in position, you will not be right. God wants you right in every aspect. God wants you to be submissive in every aspect because if you can't submit to those around you in positions, then how can you submit to the almighty God? Do not let ambition derail your character. David was after God's own heart. David never allowed ambition to derail his character and God's position. He knew he was anointed. He knew he was going to step in that realm. He'd been on the run for years, and it may be a long time, you think. I'm telling you, wait the process. Let God develop what he needs to you so you can be the godly leader you need to be, not just a good leader, a godly leader, a godly presence in the area we're living in. God wants our character to be in the workplace, into the shopping center, into the banking areas. God wants us to to develop in us so he can use you to show who Christ is. Is. See, it's the character of Jesus that is in us. The hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You may be in a cave today and you may have an opportunity, but let that cave class teach you something. Let God say, This is what I'm developing in you. You may have been on the run for a long time. Notice what he said the power of position. I like this, what he did, because he come out after Saul went out of the cave. Got in sight to where Saul was, and he spoke. He got in a position that God wanted him to be. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves. The power of the cave experience brought this out. He When he come out of the cave, he seen his enemy. He's seen the anointed that was there, the present. And what did he say? He said, why are you chasing a flea like me? The Bible says, I'm nothing but a flea in your sight. And you're chasing me. You're trying to kill me. You're trying to listen to everybody else under the sun, Satan himself, and trying to get rid of me. Can I tell you that you're not going to get rid of me anyway because God's got his hand on me and God's got a, a place for me. And notice what he did. The Bible says he knelt down on the ground and he put his face to the ground. Saul could have returned and cut his head off. You may think you're vulnerable, but I'm telling you, God is working. And he held up the piece of cloth I could have taken your life, Saul, master, and he called him father. He honored him. Sometimes we seem to think we got to give our say. We got to give our say to our enemy. They may be on the Facebook talking about you. They may be talking about your company. They may be talking about uh, the situations and people. But you know what you need to do? Hold up. This is what God's given me. And notice what he said. He not only blessed him, but he said, let the Lord judge between me and you. Let the Lord judge between me and you. He got in position instead of ambition, his own ambition. You know what that position was? Can I illustrate to you what we need to be? We need to be before the Lord, on our knees, our face to the ground, knowing that we serve an almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the position God wants us in. That's the character God wants us to have, not ambition, saying, look at me, look at my talents. Only God gives talents. Only God gives gifts, and God can take them away. God can remove them. They're without repentance. I understand that, but God says, if you're not going to fulfill it, I'll pass you along. The anointing will leave you and go to somebody else. David understood that. You know what Saul happened. The enemy become broken, and Saul says, "You're a better man than me," and left him alone from that day forward. The cave experience, cave class, cave place. You're in a cave, some of you right now. You've been in a cave, and you're seeing some things and says, I can go after it, but is it your time? This is a very deep thing. We must understand this. A person that hates you the most now celebrates you the most. Notice this. You are down and out. You're getting ready to become up and coming. And the one that was your enemy is now celebrating you. Because Saul said, I know you're going to have the kingdom one day. He knew that all along, but he was trying to hang on to something that he lost a long time ago. Sometimes, even in leadership, moving from one thing to another, transference is a hard thing to do. Passing on the mantle is a hard thing to do because sometimes people seem to think, I'm going to lose. My prestige, I'm going to lose the things. You ain't losing with the kingdom of God. I've told you many times when I'm done here as far as pastoring and I'm done with what God's called me to hear, I'm not done in the kingdom of God. And you're not either. See, your response to your enemy will free you and win them. By you trying to take vengeance, by you trying to come at them, doesn't always get it. Can I tell you this? Mark it down. God cares about your enemies. God cares about your enemies. He cared about Saul. There was an enemy of the church in the beginning in Acts. His name was Saul. Do you think God cared about Saul? you think God loved Saul? Because when he come and he knocked him down and he was on the ground and the light shined about him so bright that it blinded him. And he says, who are you? He says, I am Jesus who you persecute. See, he put him in perspective. He says, you are persecuting me. See, will you think God doesn't care, God sees everything you're going through. God knows who you are. God knows where you're at. He said, that's my church. That's my church. NCF, you're my church. I know what's happening. I know what's going on. Now, the enemy of David is no longer an enemy. Can I say this to you? You say, well, pastor, that doesn't deal with me. Can I put it to you? We were the enemies of God at one time until the blood came and found us, until the blood of Jesus sought for us, until the blood of Jesus come and cleansed us and made us part of the family of God. We were the enemies of God. When we were yet sinners, God loved us. Sinners were an enemy. Those that committing those sinful things are the enemy of God. But God loves sinners. God loves humanity. God cares for every single one that you work with that is a sinner. God wants you to be an influence of them. They may be treating you bad, but allow God to use you and that character to come out of you. When we were yet sinners, God loved us. That's an amen spot. That's a, that's, that's a praise break, church. Uh, praise the Lord he sought for me. <laughs> praise the Lord that his blood bought me. Praise the Lord that he gave me a chance, an opportunity to come to know and have eternal life. Praise the Lord when I stand before him. He's not going to say, you were a sinner. See, those sins are now gone. Those sins are gone forever. Praise God. I once was an enemy, but now I'm a friend of God. Now, I once was that one that was against everything he said, he accepts me. That's what the world is looking for. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to Mark chapter 10. Let's bring things to a conclusion here. You know what? David was looking at his future more than just his future on the earth, he was looking down his lineage. He knew what was going on because God already said that your kingdom will be forever. God already spoke to David. Your kingdom is going to be forever. David understood that. That's the reason why he he didn't have the ambition to do the things that he wanted to right at that time. He could have killed him, but he said, no, I'm looking at position of future. David's response was not just about the moment. Sometimes people just get in the moment of ambition. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to engage now and find themselves in a world of hurt. But what was he looking at? He was looking at the lineage because God says your kingdom is better. He was looking at the Savior. He was looking at Jesus coming on this earth. He knew and understood in his heart. Mark chapter 10. If you dare say amen. amen. Go down to verse 46. Let me bring things to conclusion here. Now they came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. You'll never find this in any other place in the scriptures where a man called out, son of David. But he did. Jesus, son of David, have what? Mercy. Mercy. What did David give? And say it, church. What did he give to Saul? Mercy. Mercy. He gave him mercy. Gave his enemy mercy. Don't you wish everybody would give mercy like that? They don't. They hold grudges. There's people in churches now because something happened years ago. Hold on to it. And they'll talk about those people that they hold them like dogs. I've seen Facebook things where people, something that happened that we was a part of. And they said, look at that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. We weren't in that negative part, but look what they always classify as And that's what happens to so many people. It's sad, but notice what he did. Let's get back to the story. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. (laughs) I thought of this and my mind went and I says, shh, be quiet. You're just serving the master. He don't want nothing to do with you. Be quiet. Says, you're down and out. You, you're blind. He don't want to do you, And all of a sudden Jesus calls you and says, I knew he was gonna call you, brother. I knew he's calling you. I could tell that something's good about you. And not the way so many people love. Be quiet. Don't, don't disturb it. You're not worthy of his calling. But notice what this man did. He cried out even more. Son of David! That's what he was doing. The Bible says he was crying out more. He wouldn't be shut up. He had good ambitions. That was good ambitions. I need the Savior. That's a good ambition. We as a church need our Savior. We need the Lord. We need Jesus. He was crying out, Son of David. He was prophesying, Son of David. This is what was happening with David then. Have mercy on me. David, have mercy on many. Jesus said, Brother, come here, man. I want you. They called the blind man saying to him, be a good cheer. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'll take you to him. He's calling for you. But notice this, and throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want from me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher, master, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him go your way your faith say your faith. your faith That's something we misunderstand my faith plays a part in what God gives to us has made you well and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road I want to take note of this man he had ambition but not for position he had ambition to receive something from Christ. Oh, if we could have a church that would come in and say, I have ambition to worship this morning. You know what you would do to the praise team? You go, praise team, pump you up, and we're going to go higher. Then all of a sudden the praise team says, yep, we're going higher, we're going to pump you up, and we're going to worship. See, that's ambition. That's good ambition. I come in to worship God. Bartimaeus was. Not just an ordinary blind man, no. He come from a prominent family. He had a a coat, something, a cloak on him. Bible says he took it off when he went to Jesus. Why didn't he keep it on? I'm glad you asked. You know why he took it off? It had him in bondage. Barnabas had a gift inside, a deep gift inside, and he knew it. He come from a prominent family. I would say he was begging, but with the coat, they recognize you're from a prominent family. But I got something deep inside. He had ambition. I got to deliver what I've got inside. But what he had, his blindness and his coat that kept him from his gifts being used properly. There's so many in the church that are blind and they have things in there. You want the coat also represents? Infirmities. I've had this blindness all my life. I've been blinded like this. I've got this coat. It's keeping me bound. It's keeping me in this uh, quandary. My gifts are inside. I know I've got a gift. I know God's given me a gift. You know what he did? He took his coat of infirmity and laid it aside. He cried out to Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I've got something deep within me. I've got ambition to do what I've known to do. I need my sight. He was blind. So many people are coming to church, they're blind, they're bound. They need to let go and let God say, let go and let God. Let go. He cried out even more. And what did he cry out? Prophetically, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David. The one that's going to rule forever. The one that has control of everything. Question I ask. The Pharisees couldn't see who Jesus was. How did a blind man see who Jesus was? How did this blind man see Jesus for? his prophetic calling, his prophetic role. People are blind of sin, of religion, of what they were brought up with. Only the priest could do this. Only this person can do this. Only the pastor could do this. No, Jesus broke that barrier down. He says, come, every single one, come to me. It doesn't take one man on earth. It takes me, and that's why I'm calling. I'm calling you. Everybody else tried to keep him silent. And then when the pastor calls, oh, yeah, I knew he was going to do that, brother. Yeah, get up. Let's go. Let's go together. Then he lays aside his garment. But how could he see when the Pharisees couldn't see? Pharisee is a religious spirit. A lot of religious spirits in the land. He had ambition, but he knew his position to be alongside Jesus. I need to get alongside you. Oh, if we have some people having a mission like that, let me get next to Jesus. I hear him coming. I hear Jesus coming. I, I, I heard them talk about him. He's coming my way. He's coming by my way. I'm not going to let him go by. If we can have people like that says I'm not letting Jesus leave me. I want him to come by my house. I want him to come by my place. When I'm driving down the road, come in and sit with me, Jesus. Come alongside me, Jesus. Then Jesus starts calling to him, come to me. I heard your cries. See, some of you think that God's not hearing you, but I'm telling you, God is calling us up to a higher plane and you have just been blind with so many issues in so many areas. Maybe it's been your physical infirmities. Maybe it's been something that's been holding it. You. Your weakness is what infirmities mean. It's weaknesses that you think that that's what the blindness was. But God says, I will heal you. I want to heal you. I want to give you your gift time to come to flourishing.'" You know what he had? Higher expectations. Then I just do a message not too long ago. I was at higher expectations. He had higher expectations. I knew what he would do. But I like what Jesus, Jesus never let ambition take him away from his calling. When you do that, see, Jesus understood his mission because of the position. Ambition took. Second place, He only wanted to please the Father. See, Jesus laid down his ambition for the mission. Are you willing to lay down your ambition, your abilities, your, your things, and you seem to think for the mission of God? Are you willing to go higher than you've ever gone before? If you never cry out, if you never lay aside those things that's been holding you back, you may never go higher. Far too many people are trying to, I know what God's wanting me to do. I understand that. Instead of allowing God to open the place for you until God says, now is the time. They want to do it on their own. And they wonder why they get in a mess and they wonder why they're having problems and there's no peace and God's not being successful in their life. I'm telling you, allow God to do it and God will take you to a place that you've never been before. To go where you've never gone before requires you to do some things you've never done before. And today, God says, lay aside your ambition. The only ambition you should have is to call out on the Son of David. That garment represented the symbol of infirmity. Some of you have had weaknesses, and you feel, God, I just don't have it. I can't do it. This blind Bartimaeus, he says. I can only sit here and beg. I can't see properly. Naturally, I can't see. But he knew enough. This was Jesus, our son of David. He knew that it was David's son coming with mercy. He took the garment off. He removed that. I'm going to challenge you today. I took my coat off. Are you willing to take your coat off? Your ambition. Your own desires.